we are in uh, 2 Timothy. Uh, we found out last week that Timothy is in prison. Uh, not house arrest this time, prison. Sure enough, prison. In the maritime prison, he's waiting his execution. He knows he's got a very, very limited time, a short time. Uh, and he's writing this letter to encourage Timothy to help him. Uh, he's lonely. He's missing Timothy. Uh, uh, and we'll see that later on in the book. Uh, but Timothy is still having problems. He's still dealing with false teachers. He's still struggling in the ministry there. And this letter is to encourage him to keep on keeping on. Somebody say amen. amen. Uh, how many of you have figured out that the, the moment, the moment that you made your decision to follow the Lord, uh, you have faced uh, hell and everything else? And, it, and, and you go through life and it, 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 not something else, not again. You know, I mean, we, we say these phrases because it just seems like when it rains, it, if it ain't one thing, it's, are y'all with me? How many of y'all are living life like that? Now you're going to find out why. Tonight, uh, he gives several different ministerial hats, I guess, if you want to use that term, uh, he, he talks about being a farmer. He talks about being an athlete. He talks about being a soldier. He talks about being a teacher. But I want to focus more primarily the major body of the lesson tonight on the soldier, on the soldier uh, and enduring uh, the fight that we're in. And the fight got worse when you decided to try to take America back. Right. I'm going to just tell you that right now. Uh, uh, it, it just got worse because you were making a difference and because you're making a difference, other people are chiming in, and I'm getting messages almost daily now, almost daily. What are you doing? We heard about what you're doing. How can we do that? And, and you're not only making an influence right here in your community, you're, you're starting to make an influence in other communities. So the devil's not going to lay down and play dead. I need a witness. So uh, let's kind of find out why we're having to uh, fight like crazy right now, okay? Second Timothy chapter 2. In verse number one, if you, if you found your spot, say amen. amen. Thou therefore, my son, be what? Strong. Say it again. Strong. strong. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Now, if I'm telling somebody to be strong, what have they been? Weak. They've been weak. They've been weak. Uh, sometimes in life we get weak, don't we? And uh, we just need somebody to help us and, and encourage us and say, hey, hang in there. Be strong. And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. Thou therefore, what's that word? Endure. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Have you figured out we're not in a playpen we're on a battlefield. No man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. And if a man also strive for the masteries, yet it, is he not crowned, except he strive lawfully. This is the athlete. The husbandman, this is the farmer. The husbandman that laboreth must be first partaker of the fruits. Consider what I say. And the Lord give thee understanding in all things. Remember that Jesus Christ of the seed of David was raised from the dead according to my gospel church. Say amen right there. Amen. And this is the gospel. This is the gospel. 
wherein I suffer trouble as an evildoer, even into the bond. In other words, Paul's saying, I'm in prison right now because I'm preaching the gospel. But the word of God is not bound. Therefore, I endure all things for the elect's sake, that they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. If we suffer, we shall also reign with him. But if we deny him, he will also deny us. If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Of these things put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord, that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. What's that word? Say it again. Study to show thyself approved unto God. A workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. But shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. And their word will eat as doth a canker, of whom is Hymenaeus and Philetus, who concerning the truth have erred, saying that the resurrection is past already, and overthrow the faith of some. Nevertheless, the foundation of God standeth sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his. Are you glad about that? And let everyone that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house, this great house is the church. But in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, some to honor and some to. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, meet for the master's use, prepared unto every good work. Flee also youthful lust, but follow righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. But foolish and unlearned questions avoid, knowing that they do gender strife, and the servant of the Lord must not strive, but be gentle unto all men, apt to teach, patient, in meekness instructing those that oppose themselves, if God peradventure will give them repentance to the acknowledging of the truth. In other words, he's saying, don't, don't, don't be real hard on those who are teaching or trying to push false doctrine. Uh, do your best to try to win them. Be patient with them because God may turn them around. Verse number 26. And that they may recover themselves out of the snare of the devil who are taken captive by him in his own will. Now I want to I read verse 3 one more time. Let's all read verse 3. Verse 3. Thou there, let's, all, let's all read it. Thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Dear Heavenly Father, I am so grateful for the people that are here tonight. Uh, Lord, the weather's nasty. Uh, things are just uh, kind of chaotic in our country right now. But we're here to hear from you. And Lord, I pray that you'll encourage us, edify us, help us, Lord. This is truth that we need to hear. This is this is the gospel. This is the, the, the training time. This is the time that you will uh, help us be good soldiers. Lord, there's a battle out there that's raging. And I pray, Lord, that we can leave here uh, better equipped to fight the fight. I pray that your perfect will be done. I don't deserve to be here. Lord, I know that. And I'm, I'm, I'm well aware of that. And Lord, I pray that you will help me. Help me be what you'd have me to be. Don't let me say anything I shouldn't. Don't let me forget anything I should. I pray your perfect will be done. 
In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people say it. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Ministerial hats. <clears throat> different, different, uh, I saw, I saw several youngins and a big youngin come by. Uh, one youngin was, was, uh, uh, the Black Panther, and 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 another youngin was a, a, a dinosaur football player, and the big youngin was Santa Claus. <clears throat> they were all wearing an outfit. They were all wearing a, a a costume, if you will. They all were playing different parts. And in this particular chapter, you're going to see Paul instructing Timothy on the several different parts that he has to play, the several different responsibilities. I, I guess if you could use that word, that would be a good word. Uh, responsibilities that, that Timothy has in uh, leading the, the movement that Paul has started uh, on his missionary journeys. And, and here in chapter number two, uh, he gets real specific, and, and like I said, he names he names a teacher, uh, he names a, a soldier, uh, he names a, a a what 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 did I say? An athlete. He he says, listen, an athlete will strive, will work hard, will discipline himself, uh, will will do everything possible to win the race and to accomplish the goal. Uh, and and he's got to do it. He's got to do it right. He's got to do it according to the rules, or. It, uh, he won't. He will be disqualified. So he's encouraging him that way. He talks about the husbandman, uh, the farmer who works hard. But but in that particular verse, he's talking about the reward that comes from that. The husbandman, the farmer, gets the first parts of the crop. And 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 basically, what he's saying is, your hard work is not going to be in vain. It's going to be worth it. The tears you shed, it's going to be worth it. The effort you make, it's going to be worth it. The labor you put in, it's going to be worth it. Somebody say, Amen. But in the, in the midst of all this, let's just talk about three of them tonight. Uh, these, are, these are ones, they're all important. They're all important. But these are the three that I really want to focus on tonight and, and, and share with you tonight. The first one, uh, the first ministerial hat, I guess if you want to say, the first responsibility he has is to be a focused steward. A focused steward. <clears throat> Write that down. A focused steward. A steward is one who manages is one who has been giving, uh, uh, given a responsibility. He, in other words, he, he would be like uh, the house servant, the, 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 the house manager. He would be responsible. The master of the house would give this man uh, the, the, the reign of the house. He would give him uh, the money, the checkbook, and all this so he could buy and sell and do whatever. And it would be his responsibility to steward or to manage what the master had given him. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. Now, in this particular set of verses, we find, and by the way, by the way, this is the, this is the verses where the Timothy initiative comes from and why the Timothy initiative is named what it is. These are the, these are the core verses right here. That which thou hast learned of me, commit thou to faithful men that they may be able to teach others also. That is the Timothy initiative. Somebody say amen. amen. Now, Underneath this steward, I want you to write this down. First, I want you to see the product. The product. What is he being faithful with? What is the product? What has he been entrusted with? He said, that which you have learned of me. Say that with me. That which you have. 
What did he learn from Paul? He learned about the gospel. He learned about uh, salvation by grace through faith and not of works, lest any man should boast. Are y'all with me? He learned that it is only by the grace of God. It's only by faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. He learned what to do, when to do it. He learned how to witness. He learned how to pray. He learned how to preach. He learned how to lead. Paul said, do what I did. Teach what I taught you. Now, this is not, this is not just the gospel. I believe this is a, a, the set of beliefs in general. Doctrines of the Lord. Doctrines of salvation. I'm talking about the whole, I don't want to use the word religion because it, it, it's too easy to get sidetracked on because there's so many different religions. I want to say, let's just do the set of beliefs. Can we use that? Can we use that? The set of beliefs that Paul entrusted to Timothy. If that makes sense, say amen. amen. That's the truth. He has entrusted him with the truth. Now, this is what separates you guys from all the other religions in the world. You have the truth. Let me say that again because you didn't seem too thrilled about what I just said. This is important. This is really important. You guys have been entrusted with the truth. What makes you different than the Buddhists, what makes you different than the Islamic people, what makes you different than all the other religions in the world is you're right. Well, that sounds arrogant. I don't care. Whatever it sounds like, I'm just telling you. Everybody's not right. There's not many ways to heaven. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Peter said, there is no other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. Somebody say amen. You have the truth. I remember, I remember one of our staff members was, was on a missions trip in Nepal with uh, uh, Brother Nelms, uh, 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 Dr. David Nelms. And they were standing in front of a temple, a false uh, religious temple where they had worshipped there in the days of Christ. In other words, this temple has been here burning incense to false gods at the very time that Jesus was walking on this earth. They had been doing it that long in that place in that part of the world. And this staff member sat there kind of perplexed. And he was looking at that and out of all of the years and all of the centuries has gone by that, that, that these people have been coming to this temple and bowing down to idols and, and studying and worshiping a false god. And he's saying now he, he, he was just his mind was just perplexed. And he said, man, how is it that they've been doing this so long? Yet when we come and present the gospel, they turn around and they believe and are saved. How is that possible? He said, because you have the truth. <laughs> Ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make you. I don't, I don't, I don't know if you really grasp what, what kind of treasure that you have in your heart and in your mind. I, 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 don't, I don't know that the, the Bible calls it, we have this treasure in earthen vessels. 
In other words, you carry around the truth. Do you realize you're carrying around what all the world is searching after? You're carrying around what everybody's trying to go get high and go get drunk and go get rich. And they're trying to find fulfillment and satisfaction and life and what's real. And you got it. And Paul said that. What is that? The truth. I've given it to you. I've entrusted it to you. And he, by the way, he said, my gospel. And, and I'm not, and that's, a, that's a whole, I don't even open that can of worms right there. God had some special time with Paul. Paul knew stuff that even Peter didn't know. You go study that. But here he is. He's given Timothy, he's given Timothy the what? The truth. Giving Timothy the truth. And Paul said, now I'm fixing to go. I'm fixing to die. So here's what you got to do. Here's what you got to do. I need you to take what I've given you and commit thou to faithful men. It means to entrust and place alongside. That means Timothy is ministering, he is serving, he is preaching. Why do you think, why do you think that, it, go back, it, it, some of y'all, how many of y'all was during the, during the Acts? You was here during the Acts study. Raise your hands. Acts study. Okay, cool, good. Do y'all remember that on the first come around, uh, on the first missionary journey, Paul comes around and wins a bunch of people? Timothy gets saved on that. Second time around, guess who has shown himself faithful? Come on. They were bragging on him. They were telling Paul all about Timothy's faithfulness and his service and, and his effort. That, so what did Paul do? He said, you're going with me. He said, I'm going to entrust you with a treasure that I've been entrusted with. So what did he do? He committed, entrusted Timothy with the truth that he had. Does that make sense? And then placed him alongside of him. Y'all with me? Okay, now, put the, write this word down. We not only see the product, what is the product? It's the, come on everybody, it's the, the truth. It's not just the gospel, it's the truth in general as a whole. The truth of God, the word, the scriptures. So that's the product, but then look at the personnel. Now, Timothy, here's what I need you to do. I need you to find some. Okay, come on. Come on. Faithful men. Faithful men. Write that down, look at me. Put your seatbelt on. The reason the church in America is crippled and, and disintegrating is because it's hard to find a faithful man. Now, when I say man... I'm talking about mankind. So women, y'all ain't out of this. I'm trying to entrust you the truth too. This is, this is talking about people in general. Fine, faithful people. The Bible says confidence in an unfaithful servant, an unfaithful man 
is like a broken foot and a tooth out of joint. Or a broken tooth and a foot out of joint. Something's out of joint. I don't think there's no joints in teeth, right? So the teeth is broken and the foot is out of joint. I know y'all think, that's not in the Bible. Look it up. Get your concordance out and look it up. How many of y'all have ever had a, 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 a sprained ankle? Or a broke one? There you go. There you go. Ain't that lovely? How many of y'all have had a broken tooth? You know what the scripture says? That's what it's like when you entrust something to somebody who's not faithful. Do you realize, Brother Travis, God never called us to be successful. But he did say it is required in stewards that a man be found faithful. I don't know everything, but can you be faithful? Well, I, 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 look. Do you realize faithfulness is the one thing that you can control? And it is the one thing you can't make excuses about? He said, find somebody faithful. He he, he didn't say find somebody who talks a lot. I've seen, I've seen, how many of y'all have ever heard the phrase, a new broom sweeps clean? I've seen all kinds of people get jacked up about a new ministry, all fired up, wide open. Yeah, well, in about a week and a half, you can't find them. That ain't going to work. That's not. He said, Timothy, find somebody that's faithful. Find somebody that, that, that you can depend on. This is the type of person, this is the type of person. Let me put it this way. There are some people that if they're not at church, everybody's going to call them because they know something's wrong. And then there's other people, if they're not at church, they ain't going to get no calls because you've gone so much, we don't know what you're doing. Go ahead and say, man, it's all right. This is the cream of the crop. We can be honest, right? He said, find somebody you can depend on. And entrust that to them. Now remember what I said? It means to entrust and place alongside. Now, watch this. Watch this. Look at the next one. All right. Verse nine. We having fun? You don't look like it. <laughs> Who shall be able to teach others also? All right, that's our purpose. That's Timothy's purpose. All right. Travis, you you see anybody in here you work personally with? Okay. Come on up here. Who who, who is that? Tell them to come up here too. Chuck. Chuck, all right. He's pretty enthusiastic, ain't he? There. All right. That's the kind we need. That's the kind we need. Several years ago, several years ago, now I can't take I, t- I can't take credit for everything, just a little bit. 
Travis went to school with my brother, and, and y'all know the story. My dad led him to the Lord in a Ford Thunderbird in our front yard. Uh, I think I was in Bible college then, wasn't I? Was that, I, was, I don't think I was in Fort Pierce at that time. Then I moved back, and, and he's saved now and, and energetic and everything, and he's knocking on my door at 2 o'clock in the morning and trying to find Jesus, and I'm, I'm just trying to go to sleep. Which is a great story, but I'll, I'll say that for another time. It's a really cool story. That was the night. That was the night he surrendered to preach. Matter of fact, and uh, and but anyway, this is this is kind of how this works. Uh, he showed himself faithful when visitation time was coming. Travis was there. When it was church time, Travis was there. Uh, uh, when there was work day, Travis was there. So what do we do? So okay, I was I was entrusted with the. Come on, I was entrusted with the, with the truth. Now, now, Travis, I need you to take this and, and treasure it. It's very important. It's the most important thing you could ever have. It's the most precious thing you could ever have. And everything that we have spent time going over and studying and learning, everything you've learned from me, I need you to find somebody that's faithful, and I need you to do the same. Okay? Okay. Go ahead. So what does he do? First... First, he finds someone. And now what does he give to Chuck? The truth. More specifically, what he got from me. Now, if we keep going back and we keep going back and we keep going back, we're going to end up at Paul. Think about that. I, boy, I just got some God bumps right there. All I gave him was what I was given. And what I was given, what Paul gave Timothy. And then what Timothy gave to his faithful man. And then his faithful man. And then his faithful man. This is the whole principle of the Timothy initiative. The Lord added to the church. Not every Sunday. But because God's people was going out. Hello. Someone made a disciple out of me. I was instrumental in help, not completely, but I had some part, small, small part, in helping make a disciple out of Brother Travis. Big part. And he has been making disciples with some faithful people he's run into. And then on down the line. And then on down the line. What's the point? This that we're trying to accomplish is not difficult if we would just do it. And if we understand how precious the treasure is that we've been entrusted with, out of, out of the thousands and thousands and thousands of religions and, 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 and beliefs, you're the only one with the truth. How special does that make you? That which thou hast learned of me, commit thou to faithful men. That they may be able to, what does it say? Come on, that they may be able to, you know what, you know what Paul knows? I'm going to die. Somebody's going to have to keep teaching. You know what Paul knows? Timothy's going to die too. 
So unless he finds somebody that's faithful that will continue teaching the gospel and sharing the gospel. How do you think, how do you think that this has survived for all of these years? Because somebody taught somebody and somebody taught somebody and somebody taught somebody and somebody taught somebody. That's, that's what we're here. Paul is telling Timothy, listen, you got to be a faithful steward. You got to be a focused steward. I have given you the most precious thing that is on this earth. The knowledge of God, the one true, real, legitimate God in heaven and how to get there. This is a treasure. Now find somebody faithful and entrust them with it and help them find somebody. Somebody say amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Good job. Good job. Give them a hand. They were so good at sharing and entrusting. So we have a focused steward. A focused steward. Verses 1 and 2. We see the product. That's the truth. The personnel is faithful men. The purpose is to teach others also. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Amen. And here's one drastic mistake that many churches make. They try to give positions to people that are not faithful to get them to be faithful. I remember the very first church I pastored. I remember the very first church I pastored. There was a position in the church. The woman didn't even come to church. But she had a job in the church. A responsibility. And I'm like, who is this? Oh, well, we, we, we gave her that position in hopes that, that, that she, it, would, it, would, it would motivate her to come. That is insane. That is completely unbiblical. You don't give anybody anything to, so they will be faithful. If they're not faithful before they got it, they sure ain't going to be faithful after they got it. Are y'all with me? Say Amen. Now watch the second one. Look at the second one. What was number one? Everybody say it. Now look at this one. This is really where we're going to spend our time. He said, son, you're a fighting soldier. You're a fighting soldier. A lot of times when we think about church, okay, let's do a survey. And don't try to be super spiritual either. Do it right. The first word that comes to your mind, first word that comes to your mind, okay? I'm going to say church, so I'm going to just tell it. Just, just first thing that comes to your mind, okay? Church. What's the first word that comes to your mind? People. Worship. Faith. Say that again. The spirit. Okay? Fellowship. All right. All right. Anybody else? Say it again. Okay, all right. Anything else? Nobody's going to say dinner on the ground? Come on, people. Aren't any of y'all traditional? Old-fashioned? Right? Somebody said so. Attendance? Bible? All right, come on, come on. Church, first word that comes to your mind. Say it again. Okay. Say it again. Hypocritical? All right, he's been around. All right. That, that, they'll say that a lot out there, for sure. All right, somebody else? Church, first word comes to your mind. Bathroom? Oh, baptism. 
I'm like, okay, hey. There's several around here. There's several around here. Let me tell you, I'm, I'm prophesying right here. I'm prophesying. My wife is sitting right back there, and her, hand, her head's probably in her hands, and this is what she's thinking. Why don't that dummy have his hearing aids in? That's what she's thinking right Baby, am I close? Is that not what you're thinking? See there? Y'all didn't know y'all had a prophet on the platform. Anybody else? Church. First word that comes to your mind. Church. Preacher. Okay. All right. Music. There you go. We hadn't heard that one. Ties. Okay. Message. Not one single person said fighting, battles. Enduring. You know why? Because that's not, that's not really in our psyche when we're thinking church. And you know, that's sad. And that's my fault. And that's a lot of church leaders' fault. It's because we invite somebody to Jesus and say, Jesus is the greatest thing that will ever happen to you in your life. And guess what? He is. He is wonderful. We invite them to faith in the Lord. We invite them to to anticipate a home in heaven. We invite them to grace and mercy and and fulfillment. But we never tell them, man, this is wonderful, but you are fixing to be in a fight of your life. And then when when new Christians come in, and I'm, I'm confessing this, guys, I'm confessing this. New Christians come in and they're all excited and, and man, they've got this newfound faith and this newfound enthusiasm and they love God and they, they, they're so thankful for forgiveness and, and then the devil just pops them right upside the head. And everything in the world falls apart. The dishwasher quits working. Leaks all over the floor. The, the refrigerator starts shaking. You get a flat tire going to work. The dog messes on the floor and tears up everything when you get home. The kids lose their minds. Do I have a witness? You feel like you're in a dark cloud. And you don't even know why. And the least little thing sets you off and you're trying to figure what in the world And we forget to remind each other, we're in a fight. Are y'all with me? He said, therefore, endure hardness. Look what it says. Look what it says. Thou, therefore, endure. When I think that when we say the word endure, what, what comes to your mind? Say it again. Okay. Marathon. Okay, long-suffering, suffering, standing in line at Walmart. How about gritting your teeth, tough it out, accept, persevere. All right, now watch. Thou therefore endure what? Say it again. Hardness, difficulty as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Son, you're a soldier. No man that warth entangleth himself with affairs of this life that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. 
2 Corinthians 10, 3. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. The weapons, look at that. Look at, the, look at the terminology. Look at the words we're using. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. You see, when we go out in the world and we win people to Jesus and we lead people to follow Jesus and make disciples that make disciples, we're, we're tearing down Satan's strongholds. Let me, let me give you an illustration. We, we, we may not finish tonight. That's okay. We're just going to roll with it. The disciples, the disciples, this, is, this will give you a perfect illustration of what some of y'all are going through. On, 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 this side, on this side of the Sea of Galilee, okay, we've been there. Really beautiful, really cool. He says, get in the boat. We are going to the, are y'all with me? So what do they do? They obeyed. Right? Say that with me. They, they, did what they, they did what they were supposed to do. They were a good Christian. They followed Jesus. He said to get in. They got in. And here they go. Now, here's the thing. On the other side, on the other side, there is a guy running around in the tombs naked as a jaybird. Full of demons. They've tried to chain him and he breaks the chain. He's so demonic that he breaks the chains. Every single thing man has tried to do to solve this issue and fix him has come to naught. In other words, this man is a trophy of the power of the devil. Does this make sense? He's here. Now, on the other side, we find a group of disciples who are just minding their own business, following Jesus. Little did they know what was waiting for them on the other side. But how many of y'all know Jesus knew? And so here they go, probably having a big time, cutting up. Having, I mean, it's beautiful, probably enjoying the, the, the Sea of Galilee there. And then all of a sudden, they get in the middle. And literally all hell breaks loose. A storm comes up that causes seasoned mariners, seasoned fishermen to fear for their life. This storm is so bad that Peter said, we're going to die. Because he comes to Jesus and says, don't you care? Carest thou not that we perish? We're going to die. Now, now. We always talk about that. But keep in mind, keep in mind what's waiting on them. Now Jesus is going to come over here, and we know the story because we've read the gospel so many times. He's going to come over here. He's going to cast the demons out. The man's going to be in his right mind, clothed in his right mind at Jesus' feet. And Jesus is going to tell him, now go home to thy friends and tell them what good things God's done for you. Am I right? But you've got to understand, this man is a trophy of the devil. This man is a picture of the power of Satan. This, is, this man is telling the whole world that, that, that the devil is powerful and you can't control him. But guess who's coming? Jesus and? 
So the Bible calls it a storm of wind. A storm of wind. The Bible calls Satan the prince of the power of the... What is wind made out of? There is no question in my mind whatsoever that Satan was trying his best to sink that boat because he wanted to keep his trophy. We know it didn't work. That's not the point of this story. The point of this story is there was 12 disciples in the boat with him that didn't have a clue what was going on. They got the devil scared out of them. And all they were doing was being obedient. So what's the point of this story, preacher? Outside of these walls, there's all kind of trophies of the devil. Who, if you follow Jesus, you're going to participate in their deliverance. And if you participate in the deliverance of those who the devil has in his grasp, guess who is coming after you? This ain't no game. I'm not telling you fairy stories. I'm not fairy tales and made up stories. This is real. I have never, I've told you this the last three weeks, I have never faced what I have faced in the last month since we've gotten serious about disciples making disciples. Up to this day, today. Preacher, what's the point? Buckle up. Soldiers. We're soldiers. Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be, help me, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. All that tells me is I don't have it in myself to get the job done. That we have to have him. Amen? Now watch. Put on the whole armor of God. Now why do you need armor? For warfare. That ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the... Now wiles is trickery, deception. His greatest tool is lies. He is not only a liar, but the father of it. Now in order to combat... Cold, you got to have heat. In order to combat darkness, you got to have. In order to combat lies, you got to have the. Well, guess what? Okay. Wiles, you have the truth. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. You see, that dark cloud is is not about your boss. It's not about your spouse. It's not about your kids. There's spiritual forces that we can't even see. It's not about flesh and blood. The battle is not with each other. 
but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. This is for real, people. 1 Timothy 1.18, This charge I commit unto thee, son Timothy, according to the prophecies which went before on thee, that thou by them mightest... Keep on. Say it again. That thou by them mightest... Can y'all agree with me for just a moment that these three sets of verses will really are teaching us we're in a fight. We're in a fight. Endure hardness means to suffer hardship in company with. That's good because that means we're not in this alone. Hard means quality or state of being hard, difficult to bear. We're at war. We're in a fight. You can believe it or not, but this election is more than about two different men. It's two different Americas. War is an ugly thing, but not the ugliest of things, John Stuart Mill says. The decayed and degraded state of moral and patriotic feeling which thinks that nothing is worth war is much worse. The person who has nothing for which he is willing to fight, nothing which is more important than his own personal safety, is a miserable creature and has no chance of being free unless made or kept so by the exertions of better men than himself. Man, that's good. Amen. I want you to get three things real quick. When it comes to this warfare, first thing I want you to write down is this. I want you to see the conflict that discourages him. Talking about, you can put him or me, talking about Timothy, but we can apply this to ourselves. The conflict that discourages him. He said, endure hardness as a good soldier. A soldier is used for battle, right? Warfare, battle. We're in a conflict. Okay, number one, write this down underneath that. I want you to write this down. The origin of the conflict. Where did this start? It did not start when Obama was elected. Or Clinton, or Bush, or Trump. I I remember, I remember people wigging, I'm talking about totally wigging out, thinking the world was going to end when Clinton got elected. And then the same when Bush got elected from the other side. And then the same when, you know, Obama. And then, but this goes way, way before them guys. Way before. Where did it go to? Okay. Genesis 3.15. Genesis 3.15. Man has been, man has fell in the garden. Eve was deceived. And then Adam disobeyed. They ate the fruit that that God told them not to eat because they were influenced by Satan. He got them to doubt God's word and then disobey God's word. And now God is confronting them. And primarily he's confronting Satan. He's confronting Satan. Now watch what he tells them. Watch what he tells them. He says, and I will put enmity. Enmity. Between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. 
It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Now, a good way to understand this is good people and bad people. Or God's people and the devil's people. This is the conflict, good versus evil. He said, from this moment on, there's going to be a hatred. The word enmity means hatred, hostilities, enemies. There are people that if you stand in a, in a public place and declare God's word, they will call you everything under the sun. There are people today that calls good evil and evil good. There, there is such an animosity. There is such a hatred. There's such a, 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 a just a, a vile, vile, violent hatred toward the things of God. But it didn't start with the election. It started in the garden. This war has been raging from the beginning of time. That's the origin. That's where it come from. God said to the devil, my crowd and your crowd is going to be at odds. And they're going to be, at, they're going to be enemies. And I'm glad, and by the way, this is the first messianic prophecy in the Bible. And when it's all said and done... Basically, the seed of the woman is talking about the Messiah. It's talking about Jesus. Now, you're going to hurt him. You're going to wound him. But he's going to bust your head. And the terminology in this, a head wound is fatal. He said, you're going you're gonna to wound him. You're going you're gonna to hurt his heel, which is not fatal. You're going to cause great damage to him. And, and, and Calvary is a picture of that. But when he's through with you, Mm-hmm. I, I, I can't wait to see it. We see the origin of the conflict. Can everybody understand that? It started way back. Didn't just start with what your argument with your spouse today. It, it didn't start when your child decided to do things opposite of the belief system that you have. It didn't start with the elections. It didn't, it didn't start with none of that stuff. It started back in the garden. Does everybody understand that? Say amen. amen. Now I want you to look at the opposition in the conflict. Who are we fighting? We got to know our enemy, right? We got to know our enemy. Well, the first in the list, we'll just go ahead and put Satan there. How about that? 1 Peter 5, 8. Be sober, be vigilant. Because your Adversary means enemy. You have an adversary. Your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. Now, who wrote that? Who? Peter did. You know why he wrote that? Because he had teeth marks in his behind. Because there was a time that Jesus told Peter, hey, Satan desired to have thee that he may sift you as wheat. But I had prayed for thee. You're going to deny me. No, 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 no. I'm not going to deny you. Everybody else deny I'm not going to deny you. And Peter got angry. And guess what? He felt the fangs of the devil. But I'm glad Jesus prayed him through. He said, you're going to deny me. 
but when thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. If there's anybody that knew about the power of the devil in tripping you up and causing you to stumble and fall, it was Peter. The Bible says he went out and wept bitterly. But when he got restored, he was able to stand up and write down and say, hey, y'all better watch it. You may think you're okay, but I'm telling you, just like me, your spirit is willing, but your flesh is weak. You have an enemy. You have an adversary. It's the devil. He's after you. Amen. I love watching, I love watching nature shows and, and, and National Geographic and that Alaska show where they, the, the, the what is it called? Uh, uh, below, uh, uh, five below, so what does it say? Sub-zero? Life below zero. That's it. That's it. They're all living up there. And, and I'd like to do that for about 20 minutes. <clears throat> and then fly home. Amen. <laughs> But they're walking, through, and, and I'm like, man, this dude's cautious. And then he finally, he fessed up to why he was so cautious. He said, this is grizzly territory. And he said, you can believe what you want. He said, but they know when you're in their living room. You think you're hunting them, and they are. My brother, he, he's a big-time hunter, big-time deer hunter and everything, you know, he went, to, he went to Canada, Saskatchewan, Canada, up there with them big old deer, humongous deer. I'm talking about Mutual of Omaha, rocking chair on top of your head, amen? <laughs> I mean, big. And he runs into this professional, you know, that they do videos and all that kind of stuff with. And, and this guy, this guy went to the Arctic somewhere, somewhere and, and killed a polar bear. A polar bear? I said, man, how'd they find the polar bear? He said, you don't find the polar bear. The polar bear finds you. That's exactly. Joe said, what? He said, you go, you go to the cabin part that they're there, and he said, they can smell you from miles away. And when they smell you, they're coming. I said, get out of here, Joe. He said, no, no, no. He said, I know what you're thinking. He said, because I was thinking the same thing, and I asked a question. What if he comes at night? <laughs> and this is what he said. You better be ready. Yeah. Now think about that. You're the bait. <laughs> that is literally how they polar bear hunt. You go, and you're the bait. He said he's coming. It's not a question of if, it's when. He's coming. Now, this I'm saying this, guys. It's not a question of if the devil's out there. It's not a question of if he wants to destroy you. It's not a question of, of if he wants to devour you. He is an adversary. He is real. He is out there, and he is coming. So he says, be sober, be careful. This is a fight. He is the enemy. So the first opposition we see is who? Come on, everybody. Is who? Satan. Satan. Secondly, write this down quickly, quickly. It's society. It's society. Look what it says. John 15, 19. If ye were of the the world would love his own. 
But because ye are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world, what? The culture we live in, the society we live in, it's, it's real prevalent in the bigger cities, the very, very liberal, godless cities. But it's trickling into the suburbs. They can't stand you. If you have any standards whatsoever, any kind of conservative morals or values whatsoever, they cannot stand you. The world hateth you. Why do you think, why do you think that everything you see on Hollywood is trying to pressure you to conform to them? You know the verse that says, be not conformed to this world, but be ye. You know the word conformed? It is the word that means pressed into a mold. Press, apply pressure till it becomes whatever the mold is. In other words, the world out there wants to apply pressure till you believe like they believe. Till you see things like they see things. Are y'all with me? But that's not the way God works. God works this way. He says, don't be conformed to this world. Don't be pressed into their mold, but be ye transformed. That's the word metamorphio, where we get our word metamorphosis. It means a, a change from the Y'all with me? But the enemy is out there. And I don't mean the people. I mean the culture. I mean the, the way of thinking. Does this make sense? It's your enemy. It's the world. Now, you can believe this if you want to or not. It doesn't matter to me. But Hollywood is controlled by Satan. He's the prince of the power of the air. And it's molding, it's, it's conforming, it's pressing in young people's minds. So young people who are raised in Christian homes, they're being more influenced by the culture in the world than they are the church. Man, I wish I had more time on that one. The next enemy. And this is the one you're going to have the most difficulty with of all. What was the first one? Second one? How about ourself? The worst enemy I have, I shave every morning or every other morning. We struggle. You know what Paul said about it? Oh, wretched man that I am. That which I don't want to do, I do. And that which I don't want to do or I do want to do, I don't do. Can anybody relate to Paul? Paul said, I fight the flesh. I crucify the flesh daily. I, 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 get, it. I get control of it. It's a fight. It's a fight. Then B, not only do we see the conflict that discourages him, but the crisis that defeats him. He said, no man that warreth entangleth himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who hath chosen to be a good soldier. You see, this crisis are the affairs that entangle. And I don't mean like a sexual affair. Affair means to busy oneself. That means your schedule. People are too busy to pray. People are too busy to read the word. People are too busy to witness. People are too, they've just scheduled themselves out of following Jesus. 
A good soldier doesn't entangle himself with the affairs of this life. That doesn't mean we don't have stuff to do and can do. But when everything else in your life is more important than what God has commanded you to do, you're entangled. Luke 8, 14 says, And that which fell among thorns are they which, when they have heard, go forth and are choked with the cares and riches and pleasures of this life and bring no fruit to perfection. Not only the affairs that entangle, but the attitudes that emaciate. Emaciate means to become feeble, to become weak. Man, we can, our attitude can affect us big time. 1 Corinthians 15, 58 says, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Give me A. Give me A again. Help, help me. Hurry up so I can, I can finish. One more time. All right, B. Everybody see that? Everybody see that? But then I want you to see the cause that drives me. The cause that drives me. What's going to motivate me when, th- when times get rough? When things get difficult? When I feel like quitting and throwing in the towel? Look what it says in verse 10. Verse 10 says, therefore I, come on, therefore I endure all things. I mean, you keep in mind he's sitting in a hole. He's sitting in a prison, a maritime prison in, in, in Rome. He's sitting in a hole, rat-infested, stinking, rotten hole. But he says, I'm enduring all that for the elect's sake, that they may, be all, they may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. Preacher, what's the cause that drives you? The lost that need me. The lost that need me. Romans 10, 14 says, How then shall they call on him in whom they've not believed? How shall they believe in him in whom they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, the preacher doesn't necessarily mean me. It means a proclaimer. How are they going to hear at work if you don't tell them? The only way they're going to get saved is if they hear the gospel. And how are they going to hear the gospel if there's not somebody to tell them the gospel? Because I promise you, the devil ain't going to send nobody to them. Amen? So when we get in the fight and when we get in the battle and we want to quit and we want to throw in the towel, we need to start remembering the lost around us that desperately need the truth. And you're the only one that has it. Let me say that again. The lost around you desperately need the truth and you are the only ones that have it. Amen. What, what drives me? The lost that need me, but then the Lord that named me. It says that he may please him who hath chosen him to be a soldier. 1 Timothy 1.12, And I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who hath enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. God picked you to fight for him. We should want to please him. Let me say that again. He picked you. He picked you. You didn't pick him. He picked you. Man, we we should want to please him. Let me give you the rest of them real quick. I ain't going to preach them. I'm going to just give them to you. What was number one? He is a focused steward. Say that with me. A 
Number two, he's a fighting soldier. Number three, he's to be a faithful student. Verse 15, he says, study to show thyself approved unto God. Write that down. A faithful student will study. He said, verse 16, but shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more ungodliness. A faithful student needs to study and he needs to shun. There's some things you need to avoid. There's some things you need to avoid. 16 to 18. Then separate. He names two people who are causing trouble, problem, problem people. In verses 19 through 21, he talks about in a great house, which is the church, there are vessels of gold and of silver and vessels of uh, wood and earth, some to honor and some to dishonor. He's talking about people. There's some people, Paul is telling him, stay away from such. Stay away from such. People that proclaim and, and claim to be a Christian, but they're living their life completely against what they claim. Isn't that something? In Scripture, the Bible says to separate from those who profess salvation, but they live like the devil. But it doesn't say separate from the people who are living like the devil and they know it. They're not faith. They're sinners. He said, how are you going to win them sinners if you don't get around them? But he says the people, the people that profess salvation but live like the devil, they're dangerous. That's something, ain't it? That's a whole other message. But anyway, study, shun, separate, and then D, serve. 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 We carry many hats. We wear many uniforms. But one of the most important ones we'll wear is our soldier uniform. And I think that's the, I think that's the least one that's talked about usually in ministry. So, let's fight the good fight. Amen? Amen. We're good soldiers. So next time I ask, when I say the name church... I want to hear fighting, enduring, right? Soldiers, tanks, grenade. No, no, no. The weapons of our warfare are not carnal, amen? But spiritual to the pulling down of strongholds. How about this? Victory. Say it with me. And by the way, we may be in the battle, but the war is over. We already win. We already win. And if you need encouragement, just go to the end. You see, God has DVR'd this whole thing. You can fast forward or rewind. It's all in there. Now, there's some spots that looks kind of hairy. But just fast forward to the end. And you'll see him coming on a white horse. And we're riding with him. And we're going to reign with him. Not only that, you're going to see the devil cast into the lake of fire forever. And all God's people say it.